This is the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Episode 12. I'm your host, Wes McAdams, and on today's episode, Luke Bauer and I discuss rethinking children's Bible classes. The sponsor of today's episode is Campaign Capitol Hill, which is a grassroots effort by Churches of Christ aimed at raising awareness in the Brotherhood on the fine line between politics and religion, preaching the gospel to our nation's leaders, focusing on repentance and God's standard of morality, and reaching lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can find Campaign Capitol Hill on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hill or on their website at campaigncapitolhill.com. There you'll find more information on how to join the march for God's Word. And now let's jump right into this week's discussion. I've known so many adult Christian people that don't know the story. They don't know the timeline. They have no clue as it pertains to the chronology of things. And I didn't learn that kind of stuff growing up, I don't think. I mean, I knew Noah, and I knew Jonah, and I knew I knew these stories— plural, but I didn't know the story, singular. I didn't know how it all fit together. Um, and I've had conversations with leaders in the church, not here at Baker Heights necessarily, but but just in the in the Lord's church, I've had conversations where people, they know the story of Moses, and they know the story of Joseph, but if I ask them, and I have specifically asked them before which one came first, and they don't know, you know, and it's like, well, how do you, how does Moses make sense if you don't if you don't know the story of Joseph and how that led to the other. Um, but it's so important to have that big picture in mind and the strategy of helping young people and eventually adults to understand the chronology of things. Well, that's exactly what I was finding when we'd ask the kids, you know, um, what they knew about these different characters. If they knew something at all, it was kind of treated in a separate story, like you said, in almost like a fable or fictional. Mm-hmm. You'd hear them tell it like they would tell you about some, you know, fairy tale they heard growing up and it wasn't they weren't connecting with the stories and realizing that it was the story and where everything fit and what mattered with it and so we kind of wanted to look at what we were doing and how we did that and so we asked ourselves some key questions about you know bible class why are we having it what are we wanting to achieve what is what is our purpose behind it in the first place and we began to kind of look at that you got to ask yourself you know those those questions you know and and I, <clears throat> kind of take it all the way back to kind of where did this even idea come from? And I don't know, you know, I can't connect all the dots. I know they did, you know, Sunday school a long time ago to teach literacy, actually, mm-hmm. as part of, the, you know, the the history. And I know eventually that evolved, and I don't know the full story of it all. But I know for us, we don't need to just do things because it's a tradition. We don't need to just do things because it's what you look around, it's what everybody else is doing. But we want to do them because there is a biblical principle or a biblical um, pattern in which we want to follow and do. And when you look at that, w- what's there? What 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 um, what do we have to not necessarily justify, but to in you know m- make us want to have a Bible class as opposed to just our normal Sunday morning assembly? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things we looked at was well, what you know, what biblical antecedent or pattern is there? It's, they did come together to study the scriptures. They did mm-hmm. come together to to do that. And so we wanted to make sure that we were accomplishing you know, that with our Bible classes. They also um, were discussing what God's will was for them. That was something that we were felt important. And then the other thing was equipping one another to do good. And so we wanted to make sure that our Bible classes, we were using those for those opportunities. And we kind of looked at some of the things that's, that ends up happening sometimes with Bible classes that that is wrong or that, that, that we kind of fall into sometimes. Um, it's not a daycare. It's not a time for our little kids to be taken care of so that the parents can go and have their own thing or do their own stuff. Right. And 
And that's what a lot of times it's, it turned into. And parents weren't even invested in, in what they were learning. Um, it's not just a time of fellowship, even though fellowship's going to happen in a mm-hmm. Bible class, and that's good. Anytime we meet together, we have that fellowship. It's not the sole purpose, and it wasn't what we wanted to necessarily achieve. And then the other thing, and this one's even more difficult, is we didn't want it to be also the sole source of biblical knowledge that our kids were getting. Yeah. Now, this is difficult because it relies on parents to be teaching and doing things at home, but it's not even supposed to be the most important source. It's right, it's to be... not even the primary one, yeah. <laughs> but uh, too many times when you offer a Bible class or you have a Bible class, parents push off that responsibility, mm-hmm. and that's why you end up with some of the things that we do. It's not something that's being taught at home. It's not, And so we wanted to ask ourselves, how can we avoid that or promote something different than, than that kind of culture and avoid those things that so many times we do with a Bible class. We, it ends up being either, you know, about fellowship or about babysitting or something along that lines when really we want to immerse the kids in God's Word and have them have a genuine connection to it so that it applies to their lives and what they're doing. And so we kind of just started rethinking things from from the very beginning on how we wanted to do that and what was important um, for the kids to know. Yeah. You know, one thing that strikes me, and there's two extremes. One is that we don't make any application to our life, and and they just report the the news. They just report the story and just say, well, this is what happened, uh, period, end of sentence. And and kids grow up thinking that the Bible is irrelevant to their life uh, because there no application is drawn from it. But to me, the other extreme is just jumping to application and not and not not talking about the the theology not not helping them to be immersed in what happened and what that says about God and what that says about God's scheme of redemption and all of these wonderful truths that they can start to get a grasp on we just jump right to application so we talk about Abraham and then we we say well, okay well how can you be like Abraham I was like well wait hold on before you before you start you know making me Abraham why don't we talk about God and his people why don't we talk about Israel why don't we talk about you know what that that whole scheme and that whole plan and the seed of Abraham you know, in Christ and how all of that fits together into this beautiful, wonderful puzzle. But so often it seems to me like we just treat them like Aesop's fables or something where we're just we're just making application. It's a cute story. Um, and 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 hopefully we're helping impress that it actually happened, but we're jumping so quick to application that we're not helping them to understand this was part of a big picture that God was up to that God had in his mind all along this plan to bring humanity to the point of Christ to redeem mankind. Uh, but so often, you know, I didn't grow up hearing that. You know, I didn't. I just grew up learning the stories and then learning how I could be like the main characters. It's so difficult to balance that. Right. Because we, we have a tendency, we want to take application and we want to split it. And we, you know, when you go to prepare a class, so many times we think about that. We think about, okay, we're going to tell the story and the information, and then we're going to deal with application. Mm -hmm. When really, I think a lot of times we need to look at how we do that and make sure that they're combined together. Mm -hmm. Um, What makes the story relevant is its application. And and the way somebody teaches affects, that affects so much the way somebody teaches on whether they understand that. Um, You hear a teacher who's just trying to get across information so they can move on. The story is going to be very dry, not connected at all. You have somebody who understands that this is important. This matters. It means something, and I know what it means, and I can't wait to share that with you. Mm -hmm. Children, adults, no matter who it is, pick that up from the very beginning of the story. And when that attitude's carried throughout... Then, then, then they merge together seamlessly mm-hmm. because you're not just conveying a, you know, a, a fable or a dead story or something in the in the past. You're 
conveying something that has every bit to do with the relevancy. They're, they're not separated at right, all. Right, right. And I think that's a, a hard and difficult thing to get uh, communicated to teachers mm-hmm. because that's, that's you know, to under, we've, we've seen it modeled wrong so much. And so many of the times we've grown up seeing that or doing that or it's the easy way to do things too. Mm-hmm. Um, then to study enough that you get connected to the story that you, you know, it's kind of that overflow. Once right. you're so connected to the story that you can't help but tell somebody about it. You can't help but share it with, with you know, in this case, be children or adults or whatever it is. When you can get a teacher to connect and understand that, then it doesn't, the, the application comes naturally and the story comes naturally because you're so connected with it because it matters and it means something and, and you can't help but want to tell these kids about, about Joseph, about Moses and mm-hmm. what it means not only to the Israelites then, but also to us followers of Christ now. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's, it just flows from you. And I think that's something that's so important. When you can get teachers to understand that, then it, then it, it's natural almost how it comes across. But I think that we've gotten we've gotten so to the point that we feel like Bible classes are such a necessity, and and like you said, they have become the primary source of Bible study for not only for our kids but for our adults as well, um, if they even come to Bible classes. But it, and I and I hope people do. You know, I want people to come to Bible classes, uh, but we ought to be studying at home individually and with our families, and then but but Bible classes have become such the primary Bible study. That we, as congregations, we feel like we have to have we have to have lots of Bible classes, and we have to have a class for every single age group. That we we end up, and I've seen it happen so many times. We end up using anybody and everybody that is a warm body, that's an adult. We stick them in a Bible class, and we say, "Hey, teach this material to these kids. You know, teach them about Noah, teach them about Abraham, teach them about Joseph." Well, like you said, they're not connected to the story. Maybe, maybe they don't. N- not necessarily know it well enough because they may know the facts of the story, but like you were explaining, and like we talked on the podcast a couple weeks ago, if there's not this overflow, well, I can't, I can't wait to share with you how awesome this is. Well, you know, to be honest, I don't want somebody like that teaching my kid that isn't overflowing with joy about this because th- these kids are coming away with the impression that the Bible is dry and boring. And and I don't I don't want that. I, I want Bible class teachers that are so passionate about the truth and so passionate about God's scheme of redemption that like you said, they can't help but tell somebody about it. And if they're not there yet, that's okay. But wait until you're there before you start teaching kids the Bible. Yeah, and it has to do with what we're focusing on. I mean if you're focusing on the tradition, if you're focusing on the habits and the things that you see other people doing, you're going you're going to want to you know split your classes up more and more, or, mm-hmm. or do this or that. When you're focused on the right thing, the goal or of trying to you know teach kids the word in a way that it connects with them in, in such a way, you'll you'll find yourself making less mistakes as far as that goes. I mean, we run into that all the time where we think, okay, we have to have you know a two year old class and a three year old class and a four year old class. Well. If we have to have a bigger class in order to have the right teacher in there, then that's what we should do, mm-hmm. as opposed to just trying to fit a mold or fit something else. Because our only mold, the only thing we should be striving to fit is our, you know, Bible, mm-hmm. <laughs> the example God's right. given us. And so, so many times, though, we get caught up in that. And so, it's kind of, we really, and we're still figuring that out. We're mm-hmm. still working on how does that, you know, how can we be so vision-driven that it changes even the way maybe we 
present or do because we're so ingrained in tradition mm-hmm. that uh, sometimes it's hard to see that. And, the, and traditions a lot of times come from good places and good things, but when that meaning has been lost or it doesn't, it's not effective anymore, then it's we need to look at what is. We need to make sure that we're we're paying attention to what we really need to. And sometimes that means you know paying attention to the teacher and the, and the message less than necessarily the class and the group. Um, we get caught up. I know as a, as a you know elementary school teachers, it's easy to get caught up on your craft or your thing that you right. make or that you take home, as opposed to necessarily the story. And I have you know I I love when my daughter brings something home that's creative and fun that she's enjoyed doing. But if she doesn't know the story connected to it, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, it's just an artwork, and mm-hmm. we can do artwork at school or anywhere else. And we want to we want to connect to God's word. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is a craft. Sometimes that's just telling a story. Sometimes that's whatever it needs to be. Um, but we got to be willing to step out of that box and see what what connects and what works. And and don't you think that 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 applies to so many different areas of ministry for lack of a better word in the in the church that that there are expedient tools that we use to make things more comfortable to make things more effective you know we we have what we're told to do and sometimes we're not told specifically what to do you know so a pew you know obviously is a is an expedient we don't have to sit on pews we could sit on blocks of wood but it's more expedient to use a, a pew um where do we read the songs for for singing you know do we read them out of a book or do we you know read them off of a, a projector or the screen but so often it's so easy to get so caught up in those tools and to get excited about those tools and to use those tools to get other people excited but if that's what's drawing people in if that's what it becomes about if it becomes about the the powerpoint presentation or it becomes about the most comfortable seats in town or it come becomes about even the crafts that we use in bible class if that's what we're using to get our kids excited well, that's the wrong thing. I don't want my kids coming home saying, hey, look at this awesome thing I did in Bible class. Like you said, I want them coming home saying, do you know what God did? Do you know how awesome God is? If my kids come home from Bible class, and obviously, primarily, they should be getting that from me, but if they're going to be in Bible class, then I want them coming home saying, wow, God is awesome. That's what I want them to to come home saying. Well, and how much of a useful tool, if done right, Bible class can be. Right. Because if I'm teaching those things at home, and then the kids say, did you know this? I said, it's exactly what we've been talking about. Right. And then, you know, or or, did you know that they knew that story too? I said, yes, it's real. Mm -hmm. It's something that we're connected to. When Bible class helps connect the kid to what you're already trying to teach, Mm -hmm. that's when it's successful. That's when it's what... It's you know it can be useful in what it's good for. When it takes the place of it, it'll never be as good as what should be done at the home. Right. It'll never take the place for that, and it shouldn't. But when it can help spur those kids or get them more excited so that when you go to tell the story, they're like, yes, I know this. I want to hear more. Or that when they're telling the story, it connects to the things that you've already taught them. Um, just those more and more people that can influence a child like that, the better. And and Bible class can do that. Mm-hmm. We just need to make sure that that's what it's doing mm-hmm. and that we're not just using it as a filler. We're not just using it as um, something we have to do because we've always done it or because um, the people across town are doing it. Um, we need to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons and the right purposes. And when we do that, everything else seems to fall in place. But so many times when we get caught up, like you said, looking at the tools, looking at the the, the expedience, those things that, that get it there, we we miss that picture. We miss what it's about. 
when we're so focused on Christ, when we're so focused on our goals uh, of following Christ, then those things seem to take care of themselves. And whatever is a better expedient, why would anybody complain or change? Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't be upset because, well, we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. Because that's not what it's about. It's about Christ. And we're, we're better communicating that and better doing that and getting our kids better excited about that and giving parents the tools to be able to take that and really shape and mold that then that's what we're about. Mm-hmm. And that that should be what, you know, all those complaints and everything should fall away. Right. You know, I, I think back to school, like in high school and junior high, and, you know, some of my teachers, I don't, I can't point back maybe one or two different specific lessons that I learned in class. You know, I mean, I remember learning about mountain men in my in my middle school uh, history class, and I thought that was so cool. You know, we were talking about mountain men and trappers and these kind of things. Other than that, I don't really remember anything. Let's say that that specific eighth grade history teacher taught me, but he did teach me a love for history. And so, while I don't remember a lot of the specific things he taught me, he taught me to love history. And, and I had two or three other history teachers like that in, over the course of my, my schooling. And, and it was because of them that I, I like history. Uh, and then other people, they say, well, history is boring. Well, usually it's because they had boring history teachers that made them think that history was boring. So, you know, sometimes with our, our classes, you know, the, the teachers, it is important what they're teaching because they're, they have to make sure that what they're teaching is true and right, and they're teaching biblically. But it's so important that they teach them a love for God and a love for Scripture. I always tell teachers, I always say, you know, the worst thing you could do is tell the kids something that's not true. The second worst thing you can do is make it boring, because you have to make it boring. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, this is the most exciting uh, subject in the world, God and His Word. And so if, if we make it boring— that's a crime. It is it is a crime and and so many adults now are suffering from the fact that when they studied the Bible as a young person, they were made to believe that it was boring and dry. If if the teacher doesn't connect with what they're teaching, I mean it, you, you you it's a perfect example when you're talking about what you learned in high school and middle school and those kind of things because the teachers you remember are the ones who loved or are passionate about mm-hmm. their subject. Um and that how much more should that be? when we're talking about Christ, when we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about those things. Um, I can't help but think of what we're, you know, told in Deuteronomy and, and how you kind of have this example put place that they're supposed to talk about it to their children. They're supposed to, you know, bind it on their foreheads and on their wrists, and it's supposed to be what they talk about as they go. And really, you get this idea that it's so much a part of them, with every, that whether they're sitting, whether they're working, whether they're resting, whatever they do, God's laws are going to be on their heart and what mm-hmm. they're a part of. And I love the second part of that. It says, when your kids notice this, be prepared to give them an answer for mm-hmm. why you obey God's laws and decrees. Um, and I think that's so much as a parent and as Bible teachers and everything else, if we can make it so much a part of who we are mm-hmm. and have such a passion that his words, his laws, his commands, these stories, they're on our hearts. They're part of who they are. So that we're having those opportunities with our kids that said, why do we do these things? Why are these things happening? In the Old Testament, you know, it was told they were supposed to answer that we once were slaves and then we've been set free. You know, we were slaves in Egypt and mm-hmm. God rescued us as a people and he made us a people and to be able to tell that story of redemption. And it's no different today. We have a story of redemption through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we're so living God's word, so studying God's word that it's a part of everything that we do, that's the very best teaching 
that we can give to our young people. Mm-hmm. It's just getting them around examples like that. I mean, whatever they do in Bible class, if they're around somebody who has that, you know, God's word just dripping off of them, mm-hmm. you know, just they can't help but talk about it or they're just so filled with it, then that's what's going to be what sticks. That's mm-hmm. what's going to be what matters. I mean, some of the biggest tragedies I've seen with older teenagers and a lot of them that end up falling away is because they get that question and they say, why are we doing what we're doing? And a parent doesn't have an answer mm-hmm. or a teacher doesn't have an answer. And that's been so impactful on so many of their faith that they may fall away completely mm-hmm. when really they should be, of course, here to mm-hmm. let me know, let me share, let me tell. But they don't have that connection to the story. They don't understand the redemption. They don't understand, you know, what all these things really mean. Mm-hmm. And so if we can just connect uh, students, teachers, people, you know, people seeking with people who know, mm-hmm. that's what Bible class should be about. And we lose sight of that sometimes. When you were talking about that, it made me think of the law. And, and there is a law. I mean, obviously, the core of the the old law was the Ten Commandments. So you have the Decalogue. You have you have this enumerated list of what Israel was supposed to do and how they were supposed to be obedient. But that even that law only makes sense in the context of the story. And so you you can't just teach an enumerated list of okay here's the steps you know here's the process here's the formula here's what you're supposed to do unless it's in the context of a greater story and that's why it's so important that our young people and that our adults that all of us know and are filled up with this story of what God has done for his people and how God has redeemed mankind through Christ and all of these wonderful things and then in that context then we say what shall I do? You know, I mean, what what's my response to that? But it's only when we see God for who He is, and we see ourselves in that light, and 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 how small and and sinful we are in that light, then we can properly respond and act faithfully to Him. But all too often, I think we're just teaching because it's easy. It's easy to teach, uh, you know, three points and a conclusion. You know, it's easy to teach an outline, um, but it. If it's easy, if you're not full of that story yourself, if you don't, if you're not in love with who God is and what God has done for you, and and so we we get into these bad cycles, I think personally, and then in our teaching, and then generation after generation in the church, we get further and further away from that love for God and for what God has done. Yeah, it we get when you lose sight of what you're doing and why, then it, then that's where all these things start messing up and, mm-hmm. and causing mistakes. If we could just, you know, as y'all have talked about and we continue to talk about, you know, teaching from that overflow, mm-hmm. being so full of of what it means to, to be a follower of Christ that you can't help but tell other people about it, so passionate about it that you can't help but share, then then we don't have some of the hangups and some of the things and some of the same problems. It's a lot simpler um, than we make it. You know, right. it, it's really difficult when you start talking about logistics and you start talking about and all these things but the logistics don't really matter. The The purpose matters. And when you address everything from that, then it's pretty easy. Right. Either this helps accomplish this or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then we don't need it. Yeah. And so we, we, we can slim down. We can do what we need to. We can stay focused so that we can, um, you know, that's, that is a tradition that we have, Sunday school. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bible class, um, whatever you call it or whatever you do, most, you know, a lot of uh, congregations have that. Mm-hmm. Some don't. But, uh, 
when we take that and we make it something it's not meant to be, mm-hmm. that's not we're not using it to to better our relationship with God, to better our children's relationship with God. In fact, when done improperly, it can actually do the opposite. Yeah. And so we just have, we've always got to address things through that lens and through those those goals because if, I mean it could be something that takes the replace of that teaching at home. And how terrible is that? Yeah. Because I mean, how disconnected are you going to be for what it means to really be a follower of Christ if you're not being taught what it means at home mm-hmm. and only hearing about it on on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whenever you happen to go? Um, it can be a way of disconnecting children from passionate adults, which that's wrong too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should be a way of exposing them to more people who are on fire for Christ instead of removing them from from the adults and the and the people and things like that. And so we've always got to be cautious and always got to be asking ourselves, what are we trying to achieve? What are we trying to do? And I think when we do that, um, you'd see that we may start doing things a little different. Mm-hmm. And we may um, have to just be cautious not to hold on something just because it's a tradition or just because we've always done it that way. Well, that was a huge takeaway for me from this discussion is that that this this thing of Bible classes, whether for kids or for adults, whatever the case may be, but it can be powerful and effective and a, and a, a huge tool for good if done well. But if done poorly, it can be detrimental. I don't think we realize that. I don't think that we honestly stop and realize that it would be better not to do it at all than to do it poorly, yeah. to do it wrongly, to do it in a way that isn't strategic. Because if we do this poorly... Then it would have it would have been far better for us not to have done it at all. Um, and and we, when we're just sticking warm bodies in a classroom, when we're just saying, hey, you know, go in there, watch a movie, color coloring page, you know, do a little craft, whatever, it's okay as long as they're you know in a positive environment and whatever, just tell them the story. And we we make light of it. We we don't realize the consequences for that kind of a, a apathetic attitude towards what we're doing here. I don't think, you know. In my job as a youth minister, I'm I a lot of times people question, you know, because I'm somebody who dislikes most youth ministries mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think most youth ministries are doing the opposite of what their goals should be set out to do. A lot of times they they separate the youth from the church. They make it a separate individual body that that does their own things and has their own practices and their own stuff. Um, they a lot of times focus so much on on relevance that they lose the scriptures and what it really means. Um, you teach it that it's that so many times they make it that it's about entertainment or what I get out of it and consumer driven. Mm-hmm. That by the time they're supposed to be a part of, you know, they're already a part of the body. That's part of the mistake to begin with. But by the time they're supposed to integrate into adulthood, they don't even know how. They don't even know what that looks like, and it ends up being such a detriment to what. To the development of a child, the development of a teenager to try to, to to separate their faith from this program or this thing, that sometimes I think, you know, if, if a congregation can't figure out how to do it right, they'd be better off not doing it at all, because it, you would rather your kids not fall away from something we were trying to do because everybody else was doing it and doing it poorly than to, to, to just feel like we have to, we have mm-hmm. to have a youth ministry, we have to have a youth program. I said that can be done right. I think it can be an essential tool that that not essential, but a useful tool. That's right, better right. better terminology there. A useful tool for parents, for the congregation. It could be a way of really connecting kids mm-hmm. to the body of Christ. But too many times it separates kids from the body of Christ. The very opposite of what it's supposed to. 
And so I think we've got, always got to ask those questions, and we always got to look at that. I mean, I'm somebody who, you know, so many times, almost maybe the majority of times, especially if you're talking, you know, away from the brotherhood, youth ministry is a negative thing mm-hmm. to me, and right. I can't stand the way that they're doing it. And we've got to be mindful of that, and we've got to, you know, really stand up against those things and make sure that we're being purpose, purposeful of what we're doing, not just doing something because. You know, I have so many times that uh, somebody asks, well, what, do, what does your youth do? You know, are they, and they're, they're normally looking for, are we playing these games, going to these events, or doing these things? And I would prefer them to ask the question is, who are your youth? Mm-hmm. What are they about? Mm-hmm. What kind of people are they? Um, because it's not about the programs. It's not about um, the activities. It's about what they're developing into. And so, so easy to get focused on those those expedients, those those things, because it's they're flashy and they're mm-hmm. here, they're now, and we can touch them. And it's so easy to kind of to get distracted by those things. Uh, but it can be so, so detrimental and so awful. Something you're trying to do good, but because you've lost sight of the the what your real goal is, mm-hmm. it can be so bad. Mm-hmm. And I think we've always got to ask ourselves those questions. Yeah. You know, going back to something you said a minute ago about keeping it simple, I was that reminded me of what Paul said, you know, he said, I didn't come to you with this great, you know, philosophical speeches and, you know, I'm not this great orator, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, but but he came to them preaching Christ and him crucified. And we've got to be such gospel-centered people that we realize that's what it's about. It's not about the crafts. It's not about the puppets. It's not about the coloring pages. It's not about the PowerPoints. It's not about the the technology. It's not about any of those things. If we need them, if they're necessary, if something, some tool is necessary to get it across, that's fine. Use it sparingly, but but use it to get the the message across. But if it is not, if we don't remain a people that are entirely focused on Christ and him crucified then then we're we've lost sight of who it is that we are who God is and what we're supposed to be doing and and the sad thing is you see that happening all around us so many people lose sight of that so many and it's a simple like you said a very simple thing but it's so easy to lose sight of it we got to be so purposeful in everything we do, from Bible class to youth ministry to what we do in our services to how we act and what we say, that we've got to be so Christ-centered that 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 you you can't help but see that in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so simple, but so difficult at times, and so easy to fall away from that. Yeah, and and that's where good leadership, I think, comes in, where you know elders and deacons and preachers. Uh, parents, uh, Bible class teachers, everyone that is in any kind of a leadership role, anytime they see themselves, especially, and, and I mean, I'm talking about others like this is all their problems, but but me, I mean, it's easy for me working with and in the church all the time. It's easy for me to get caught up in all the things that we're doing rather than in what we're becoming and who, how we're growing, how we're maturing, how we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry, as Paul says in Ephesians 4. So it's easy for me to get distracted. So anytime I recognize that in myself, but anytime I recognize that in others, we're getting distracted. We're, we're focusing way too much on the peripheral matters and not on the core gospel message We've got to get ourselves back on track. And so I would encourage anybody that's listening to our discussion that if they notice that in themselves, especially first and foremost, 
but in their congregations to get get things back on track. And I love the phrase you used a minute ago, slim down. You know, there's some things that we could use to we could we could do to get rid of because they're not helping us. In fact, like we said, it could be detrimental to what we're trying to do if we get so caught up in and we do these things poorly. Yeah, it's all about Christ. Right. And if we can't wrap our minds around that, we're, we're going to be lost in more than one way. And I think we've, we've always got to remind ourselves that. A big thanks to all of our guests and to Cameron McElyay for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope this discussion inspires you to have these kinds of spiritual discussions with people in your life. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please call and leave us a short voicemail at 707-238-2216. That's 707-238-2216. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.